Welcome to Lessons in Leadership. I'm Steve Adubato with the talented Mary Gamba, my anchor, co-anchor. She'll be anchor at some point. And she's the uh, executive producer. Mary, who do we have lined up for today's Lessons in Leadership? Uh, well, we have someone extremely talented, extremely, uh, she's just the best. I'm so excited. Uh, Michelle Adubato, who is the CEO of the North Ward Center. Michelle, we are so excited to have you join us. Oh, and you also happen to be Steve's sister. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's also the founder of the Center for Autism. Who do we have on the back end of today's show? Not as famous as my sister, but he's important. <laughs> he's, he's pretty important. It would be Greg Schiano and, uh, from Rutgers University. He's not from. He's the head football coach. They're sorry, in the, the, head the head football coach at Rutgers University. I'm, I'm so a Seton Hall basketball fan, but I root for Rutgers football because Seton Hall doesn't have football. But we'll talk about uh, not football, but about leadership. Hey, why don't we do this, Mary? Let everybody know before I bring my sister in. Let's let everyone know where they can find us, who pays for the show. Definitely. So you may be watching us right now on News 12 Plus. You can find us here every Sunday at 10 a.m. And we are also at iHeartRadio, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, which is one of our new locations, which is super exciting, R-O-I-N-J, NJ.com. Uh, who am I missing, Steve? I think that's everybody yeah, and then no. of course if that was too hard to follow you can go to stand-deliver.com that's our website yep. where you can not only find links to all of those locations to find us uh you can also find valuable uh information about steve's book free articles so there's a lot of great stuff there and while i have the screen steve can i plug our sponsors yes perfect <laughs> i would love to thank our sponsors so we have valley bank we have the international union of operating engineers local 825 New Jersey Sharing Network, Prager Metis, and then Seton Hall University and the Bucino Leadership Institute. So thank you all for making this show possible. Yep. Hey, speaking of this extraordinary book, Lessons in Leadership, which is the name of, this is what spawned the name of this video podcast. My sister, Michelle. Hey, Michelle, how are you doing? Good. Okay, let me ask you a question. What's holding up your computer right now? <laughs> no, what's holding up your computer? If I show you... This beautiful shot will be gone. Is it not a fact that you are simply using copies of Lessons in Leadership just to prop up your computer? Steven, I'm not using one. I'm using two. So at least you, have I have not two read, you have not read a single chapter, but you use it to prop things up. I'm going to challenge you on that. Go ahead. I want to talk about chapter nine. Huh? You don't even know what chapter nine is. Yes, I'm not going to have to look. Chapter nine, you write it in, chapter nine is building is future leaders. Don't which test chapter, me. Wait, which chapter 15? Chapter 15 is on change. You got Leading it. Change. There's, wow, listen, Steve, that's impressive. I change, wrote the book. Change. <laughs> Stop it. Hold on one second. And by, by the way, our older sister, who's considerably older, Teresa, um, who heads up the Robert Street Academy. We're going to have her on one day. Our dad, Steve Sr., is a whole family thing. Mom, I know you're watching right now. Don't be mean to your sister. Okay, all that <laughs> stuff. What did our, our dad pass in the fall of 2020 after a long illness? He influenced all of us in good ways and not so great ways. He's the best. He was the best. What did Teresa call Steve Sr. when she wanted something? Daddy. <laughs> daddy daddy and i looked at michelle like who's she talking to i was like it, it's steve senior daddy, daddy daddy and it was always something she wanted yeah i know my mother's gonna call us and say we shouldn't tease our older sister 
You can, Teresa, you can come on and speak for yourself. It's not a family show. By the way, we talked about, Michelle, I swear we'll get into substance. Mary grew up in the nicest family where people were nice to each other, didn't interrupt each other, supported each other. Were, oh my God, they loved each other. How boring. I know it it was definitely boring, but it was predictable. So I like predictability. Ours was predictable too. Chaos every day. (laughs) Predictable chaos. Hey, all seriousness. How did growing up in a chaotic, insane, often a bit violent, you know, family, um, how did it help us become the leaders we are in good ways and not so great? Well, Well, talk about, you know, unpredictable, being unpredictable. Look at what's happening now. Look at look at what this year has been about. If this has not been the year that no one ever thought that you would be saying the things that you said or doing the things or wearing these things, like I think the way we were brought up has prepared us, has certainly prepared me to go to that chapter 15 that change is the only constant. And that is it true. Is. Change it- is, you know, you need to be prepared for change. And for things that happen that is totally unexpected, things that you don't want, how do you fix it? What do you do? Moving into May 2021, this will be seen later. Mary, I'll have to come in in a second, but I'm curious about something. Michelle, um, you need to talk about this. You and I have been talking offline a lot about vaccines. And again, things will evolve as we move forward. You have really worked very hard with your team. And this is a leadership issue. I actually said this to Michelle offline the other day. I said, what is pushing people to get the vaccine and create a workplace where people are vaccinated. What the heck does that have to do with leadership? Your response? It has everything to do with leadership because we are so interpersonal. By the way, We're tell so everyone what the North Ward Center is. I'm sorry, Michelle, I didn't do that. So the North Ward Center has been around for the past 50 years, has really been the fabric of the North Ward community and the North community in Newark. Um, providing uh, so many so many different uh, services, including uh, the largest preschools in in Newark, um, uh, adult medical day program for seniors, uh, the largest youth leadership recreational program, so many more things that but our dad started in nineteen seventy. Yes, yes, in a storefront on Bloomfield Avenue, and look how we've grown, and you know we're really proud of that. So vaccines and leadership go. I mean, the only way for us to truly get back to in-person and, you know, providing the services that we need, you know, is to be in-person. You know, it may work for some other companies where you can still do virtual. And I'm sure some some aspect of virtual, right, absolutely. Some aspect of virtual will be a part of all of our lives, but not when it comes to service. And that's why it was so important, especially for the North Ward Center, for me to step up and say, and I was one of the, you know, I was vaccinated um, early on. And, and you also, we've said be this done. before, sorry for interrupting, um, you were sick very early on with COVID. Right. And, you know, the thing about this is you had the first wave of vaccinations um, and that's everyone who wanted to, you know, who, who really was like, I'm going to get vaccinated. You had that wave and that wave has passed. And now you're into a second wave of people where you have to convince people. You have to talk with people. You have to say, this is the reason why we need to do this. And because there's so much noise out there right now, because this is the, this is the group that I think is the hardest group to hit. 
And that's why we're spending a tremendous amount of energy and time and helping people and guiding people, you know, on how to get the vaccines, where to get the vaccines, do you need a, you know, what do you need to help, you know, to get there? Transportation, is it technological assistance, whatever you need, or it's just some, maybe just a holding of a, a hand to say, it's gonna be okay. I did it, you can do it. That's leadership, Mary. Yeah, definitely. And, and Michelle, you've talked about this being a movement, and I, I think you hit it right on the head with that one word. You are transitioning to a lot of in-person activities now, as you just said, that are so important. How are you doing that? And how are you keeping everyone confident and safe? Because I know myself, like the first time I, I recently got vaccinated and the first time that I was in a space, I was like, wait a second, I feel a lot safer. How are you giving people that confidence going back to in-person services? Yeah, and, and Mary, I think you raised such a good point because I have to tell you, I feel different. I feel different being vaccinated. Before I was vaccinated, there was just such a sense of like, you know, you were constricted. You're like, oh my God, you know, where's the, who's that person? What's going on? And there's a different feeling. It's not that we're going to go out and do something irresponsible, but it's the idea is that you could walk into a store and you can maybe go, you can go to the doctors. I'm going to PT and do these things that, you know, that you, you wouldn't even dare do before. And that's just that sense of like relief is, is I hope that, you know, that's how we can, you know, translate that to the people who are a little hesitant right now. And we are moving back to in-person services and it, it took a lot for me to get there. It, I had to take my own maybe issues of what, cause I never would want anyone to get this in any way. I never would want to be responsible for, you know, even being a part of that. And so when it was time for us to make that move, I really had to take a breath and say, we're going to plan this thing out. And when mm -hmm. I say plan, I mean, we have planned. <laughs> the Autobotos are planners. That is one thing can I can tell yes. everybody watching. And Mary, listen, you just, leadership and logistics, meaning our dad, Steve Sr., God rest his soul. And by the way, if you ever want to find out about who Steve Autobotto Sr. was and the impact that he has had, go to Wikipedia. Michelle, our father taught us that being a leader wasn't just about making impassioned, persuasive, powerful speeches. It was logistics. No detail, too small, Michelle Autobotto? Absolutely not. It's being there. It's planning it out. It's where's the chair? Where is this? It is. It's like, who's okay, sitting hold on. Back up, the Michelle. There's a rally they're having, right? There's a rally. <laughs> they're very involved in politics. My, by the way, my mother, I'm, Ma, we love you. I know that I'm your favorite, but that's not the issue. So here it is. They're planning a rally. They expect a thousand people and they have the, all the chairs set up. They have Seniors coming in, they bust them in, right, Michelle? Absolutely. They give them food, they bring in other people, and then all of a sudden they find out there are 800 people. Michelle, what happens in the back of the room with 200 chairs? You get rid of them. <laughs> get rid of them. You can't have one empty chair, That's... and people were lined up ready to take the chairs out. Doesn't Mary, matter. You wonder... Mary, you wonder why I'm obsessed. I watched that growing up, so did Michelle. No, I do it all the time. Small. Go ahead. I do it all the time. still staff... do it. Absolutely. My staff would look at me and go, but what do you mean? We're projecting. I'm like, get that table down. There's too many. <laughs> and, and invariably what would happen was we did need that table, but it looked so much better that we had to put it up. 
Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like standing room only. Now we got to go get more chairs. <laughs> so, so Michelle, tell everyone who's not as crazy as we are this way the connection between leadership and logistics, because a leader has a big picture vision, communicates it, but the obsession over the details and the logistics and the execution is just as important. But people miss that sometimes. Go ahead. In this particular situation, logistics means everything when it comes to COVID and planning. You just can't wing it. And you can't just make an inspirational speech and walk away. You just, this isn't, this isn't the place. You really do have to be a manager. And I stepped up for a long time. I, you know, actually was not the manager. And I said, listen, you guys, you got this, you know, and I was working on you chapter nine. Look at uh, great, great chapter nine, great leaders build future leaders. How okay? are you reading that and while it's holding up your computer? I think she has it written down. Do you okay. have notes, Michelle? Okay, but what? In okay. my head. But what does that have to do? Are you talking about delegating? Because Mary and I talk about delegating all the time, and how it, it goes funky, and then we got to jump in. And so, where do there, where's the balance for you? There are times when you know I've spent the last couple of years really trying to work and support and train leaders, and I really I asked I asked uh, some of my uh, leadership team today. I said, "Did I prepare you for this?" And they said two things. It's very interesting. Uh, one of my leadership uh, directors said, Michelle, you talked to us about leaning into the uncomfortable. And that's a very famous, you know, that leaning into this. And that's something that stuck with me. And, you know, the idea that you got to lean into it, you got to lean into it, no matter how uncomfortable. And another person said, you and this pandemic, ready or not, here it comes. So like, it was like, you're thrown into it. And especially in my situation, cause I got so sick, I really could not, I was incapacitated for about three months. I mean, I would go on meetings and I'd be off in five minutes and, you know, I think I could do it. And they really ran this place. And I'm, I was so proud of them. I was really, really proud of them. And so as a leader, I wasn't you know, part of the beginning because they were really running this. But when it came time, it was e it's wrong word easy. There's been nothing easy about this, but it was a different time eight months ago. It was like, that's it. We're done. We're not doing anything. Like, how do we survive? We were in total survival mode. What has to be cut? How do we survive? This is going to go. And then now we're in like this other thing, like, wait a minute, we got to open up now. It's completely different. And so you have to, as a leader, you have to be able to be flexible and move and pivot. say, okay, now this is, this is pivot. constantly yeah, pivoting, pivot. right? Absolutely. Mary, go ahead. I, I, Mary, I'm sorry. My sister and I, I, I could sit here and listen to this no. all day. I, I Syl Sylvester, just take me out. It'll just be the Steve and Michelle Adubato show for the rest of the no, day. No, no, we have, Please by don't. the way, what's the thing, what's the thing we like doing the most with mom when I'm on the phone with her and she starts she starts talking a little bit about you or she's on with you and she's talking a little bit about me and she's not so thrilled. What do we do to her? We, <laughs> you do that. I don't do it. I don't do it. You make get, believe like I'm not on like, the oh, phone. Hold on a second, Ma, I got somebody calling. So I, I call yeah. Michelle and I go, Ma, she really doesn't come to see you that much, does she? That's and, so mean. Oh, that is yeah. So and then my mother he's, says he's stuff. He's like that brother. He's that guy sometimes. Sorry, I apologize. Hey, before we end the segment, you made me sound like a horrible brother growing up. 
And I was, I was mean. I was, I was like Eddie Haskell. Cause you have a lot of money and like, you know, you give me things. <laughs> On I that note, Steve, I, I think we got to call listen, it a day. <laughs> I let her use my shore house and I only charge her half the rent. Um, Michelle, don't leave people thinking that I'm not the best brother now. Best brother ever. Don't just say that. And my only brother, you're the best. Just saying. Steve Sr., God rest his soul, would be proud of his youngest daughter, Michelle Adabadam. All of us. All yep. of us. Well, the middle, the other one we'll talk another time, Teresa. She's the best. I love her. Let's get her on. Okay. Mary, Steve, Michelle, lessons in leadership. Coach Greg Schiano, Rutgers football coming up after this. This edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, is brought to you by Valley Bank, the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, New Jersey Sharing Network, Prager Metis, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership. Steve Adubato with Mary Gemma. I want to thank my sister, Michelle Adubato, from the North Ward Center and the Center for Autism. Hey, switching gears dramatically, Mary. Greg Schiano, the Rutgers football coach. They're in the Big Ten. Talk about big time. Very difficult to win there. Um, he's coming back. He was in his 30s the first time he was the Rutgers coach. Comes back in his 50s. Talks a lot about maturity, right? He really does. He talks about maturity not only in himself, but also what he instills in his players in terms of them being disciplined and committed, not only to the program, but also to their own development, their own leadership, and really respecting themselves, their team, and then ultimately Rutgers University. And also talk about loyalty and commitment to your players. Um, check out the story of Greg Schiano talking about the extraordinary Eric Legrand, the 52, retired at Rutgers. Um, 2010, paralyzed in a game against Army. And also check out our interview with Eric Legrand, who 10 years later has got the most positive, upbeat attitude of anyone I've ever met. The relationship between Greg Schiano and um, Eric Legrand is extraordinary. It's not about football. It's about life and caring about other people. And we often say you can't teach people to care. In the case of Greg Schiano, you don't have to. And it's part of his leadership what makes them so compelling. Greg Schiano, Rutgers University. You do not have to love college football to appreciate the conversation we're about to have with um, someone who matters in our state a great deal and in this nation, particularly as it relates to collegiate sports. He's Greg Schiano, head football coach at my alma mater, great Rutgers University. Good to see you, Coach. Great to see you, Steve. Coach, we're taping on the 16th of February. The football season's over. By the way, is the football season ever really over for a coach? Yeah, I don't think it is, uh, especially with recruiting the way it is these days. It's a uh, 365 a day deal. Let me ask you this, as we still are dealing with COVID, how challenging is it to recruit? And the fact that Rutgers even played football this year in the Big Ten is extraordinary. Um, so much around that, you could check out the history behind it. But coach, how much harder is recruiting during COVID? Well, you know, the, the tough part is you don't have that interpersonal uh, interaction. You, you know, it's over a computer screen, much like this. And uh, it's been what we call in our industry dead period, meaning that no coaches are allowed to leave campus and no prospects are allowed to come to campus with their family. So that's kind of like the, the lifeblood of recruiting. 
So it certainly has been a big change, but uh, I think, you know, the programs that have adapted best give themselves the best chance. Mm. You know, I, I mentioned this too before we got on the air. I'm going to talk leadership with you because we do a sister series called Lessons in Leadership and you're a leadership. Um, the leader you are is a role model for all of us. But beyond the X's and O's, beyond how hard you work, beyond the fact that before we get on the air, I could tell you were studying something. You're always studying. You're always thinking. You're always planning. We had a conversation, and I encourage people to go on our website, steveautobato.org, that you'll see um, the interview we had that we taped on the 9th of November 2020 with Eric Legrand, number 52, uh, the only number 52 that will uh, be connected to Rutgers football, the 10th anniversary of his injury against Army. Uh, paralyzed, extraordinary young man. He talked about you. There's a question and a point here, Coach. He said that after that injury, which changed his life, you would visit him in the hospital late at night, stay with him, talk with him, and making sure that he had everything he needed, and he could no longer play for you. What connection do you feel and responsibility feel for your players, number one, number two? What does that have to do with leadership? Well, first, let's discuss Eric. I mean, he's an incredible young man. He's an inspiration to so many, and rightfully so. That number 52 is retired, and uh, it stands uh, on the top of our stadium lit every night. So <clears throat> there's not a, a night that I don't see it. And, um, you know, Eric has been, as I said, an inspiration for so many people at Rutgers in our state. He's gone around the country speaking. He is what I really think our players should embody. He is, from the day we met, as he was a high school freshman, um, a positive influence on anybody he's around. And that's easy when you're a star football player, but how about when you uh, are paralyzed from the neck down and to still be able to have that influence on people? He's just an incredible young man and uh, one that is a, a hero of mine. And you know, people say, oh, that was great what you did for Eric and all that. That's, that's just instinct to me. I mean, he was one of our guys. He is one of our guys. And mm -hmm. uh, as a family, you stick together. And, you know, all those moments you see on TV of hoisting trophies and confetti, you know, there's a lot of other moments that, that are much, much different. And uh, you stick together through thick and thin. Absolutely. Coach, let me pick that up. Um, it's so interesting because so much of what you do as a coach other than motiv recruiting, motivating, um, coming up with a game plan, developing a great staff. There's an initiative I want to ask you about. Is, a lot of this is off the field. And our friends at Horizon and RWJ Barnabas Health, big underwriters of what we do. Um, there's a program called, um, it's called Lift the Mask, and it's around mental illness. What is that and why does it matter? How is it connected to what you're doing? Well, you know, I, I happen to be a huge proponent of mental health within athletics. Uh, I think our youth face an incredible challenge. You know, this, this cell phone, the social media, those things where unfortunately our youth find their acceptance. Uh, it allows so many people into their, into their minds, into their thoughts. And one of the things that we are doing uh, through the people that you just mentioned is we're building a mental health group within our football program. And I believe it's one of the first of its kind in college football, but I put that much emphasis on it because when you're coaching these players and they're working incredibly hard, uh, I think sometimes that gets neglected. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because caring about the, your players, caring about 
your coaching staff, caring about the people around you. I often say as, as a, someone who coaches around the area of leadership, you can't teach people to care. You can teach people to communicate more effectively, be more concise, whatever, blah, 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 run a better meeting. But you can't teach people to care. Let me ask you this. Your sense of personal commitment to those around you and their well-being, how much of that is a cornerstone of your leadership philosophy, Coach Shannon? Well, that's my purpose. And, you know, my goal is to win a national championship at Rutgers. But I think there's a big difference between your goal and your purpose. And maybe in my younger years, there wasn't always a big difference, which is dangerous. But uh, as I aged and I had four kids of my own go through, you know, all the different stages of schooling and athletics, uh, it sure has changed. So I look at it as every single day I get to lead this organization of Rutgers football. And there's over 180 people that are probably attached to our program. When they're in our presence, do they leave daily better for that? You know, because at the end of the day, if you can make every person that you're in contact with the best version of themselves, well, now you're really, you're really doing something meaningful. One more quick follow-up on this in the time we have with you. See, one of the things as I'm watching you, my son Nick and I, um, huge Rutgers, football fans along with so many others as I watch you and the team, your passion, which you don't hide on the sidelines, your enthusiasm. You've been at this for a while. How many years have you been coaching? This will be my 32nd year. Actually, my 32nd year doing this. <laughs> Question. Your constant passion, enthusiasm, energy, which physically manifests itself. Like you're, you're right there. You're with your players. You're celebrating with them. And also when things don't go well, you make a clear question here. How do you keep that passion, not just alive, but stronger than ever? Well, I think you have to reinvent yourself. You know, I'm, I, I'm really glad that I'm not the same guy at 54 as I was at 34. I took Why? this job at 34 years old. Well, quite honestly, I didn't know what I didn't know at 34. And after 20 years of experiences, I mean, we're all a product of our experiences and you can either learn from them or you can't. And I choose to. And I think uh, it doesn't make you perfect by any means, but it sure as heck better make you better than you were 20 years ago. Last question. Being in the Big Ten. And this is not a sports program, but people know that the Big Ten is big time. Big time Rutgers football, Rutgers sports overall. For those who say, hey, really, come on, it's, it's Rutgers. It's an academic school. Um, I know because I, I'm a graduate of Rutgers. Um, the balance between academics and big-time sports is? Go ahead, Coach. Well, it's just what you said. It's the Big Ten. I mean, that's why from 2002 until I left in 2011, that was my main primary goal, was to get Rutgers into the Big Ten. I mean, you look at schools like Northwestern and Michigan, right? I mean, those are pretty darn good schools. And I can name off quite a few more. So we are right where we need to be. And that's what makes this job so exciting to me. We are in the best academic slash athletic conference in the United States. And uh, we're very fortunate. And now we got to go win it. That is uh, Coach Greg Shiano, uh, head coach, uh, football coach at Rutgers University. Um, We'll keep rooting for Rutgers, not just to do well on the field, but to build men of character, young men of character and young women in sports as well. And Coach Shiano is a huge part of that. And um, um, I wish you all the best, Coach. Thank you for joining us.
Thanks, Steve. Same to you. That is uh, football coach Greg Shiano. Mary, uh, Coach Shiano talked a lot about reinventing yourself. What does that mean to you? We always talk about the status quo and it never gets old. You cannot accept the status quo in yourself and your team as a leader. You always need to be reinventing yourself. You need to take a look within yourself as a leader and then outwardly in terms of how you're leading your team to victory. And he talked about that and just in really getting people to follow you um, and follow in a good way and believe in you and just to be part of a team. That's Greg Shiano. I want to thank again Michelle Adabato from the Northwood Center and the Center for Autism. Mary, I want to thank you. Another great show. <clears throat> Talk about a team to Alvin and Frank and Scarlin and Sylvester and um, the great team behind Lessons in Leadership. We say thank Can you. Can I thank our funders as well, our sponsors? Please do that real quick. Seconds. So the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, Valley Bank, Prager Metis, Seton Hall University and the Bacino Leadership Institute and the NJ Sharing Network. If you're not an organ and tissue donor, definitely go and get registered to do so. And by the way, we have their PSAs on a lot. Check out the Sharing Network. They're doing important work, the gift of life. Steve Adubato, Mary Gamba, Lessons in Leadership. We'll catch you next time. This edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, is brought to you by Valley Bank, the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, New Jersey Sharing Network, Prager Metis, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine.